Liberty, the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. Liberty, the power or scope to act as one pleases. Liberty has always been a popular word, especially in the land of the free and the home of the brave. But does American liberty get confused with Christian liberty? Today, we are going to explore what Christian liberty will do for you. What does it mean for you, spiritually speaking, and what does it not mean? We think you're going to like what you're going to hear, so join the conversation around the table of the Doxa Dialogue. Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue, a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. My name is David Rudy, and the pastor of Doxa Church, and I have two friends with me around the table today. First of all, Brooke Crook. Hey, guys. Welcome back, Brooke. It's been too long since we've had you. Right. Yeah, we've had a little, little bit of craziness in life, and our schedule got jostled around a little bit, but it's great to have Brooke back. And for the original podcast if you listen to this podcast back in 2018 you're going to be very very pleasantly surprised today one of our old fan favorites blake bright is back hello everyone glad to be back yes ben had just one of those wild weeks they have so much going on with the newborn he uh he just said hey do you mind if i hand off my duties to blake and i said of course that sounds amazing so blake how's life been i know it's been a while for i mean you've seen most of the listeners but some of the listeners might not know who you are at all oh yeah yeah life has been really good since you guys last heard from me i've started seminary and that's going pretty good and slowly (laughs) (laughs) but it's all good but just enjoying enjoying life enjoying being part of doctor church Absolutely. And Brooke, you just came back from like soccer practice tonight. I did my every night of the week soccer practice. You were totally the you cool. were soccer momming it up all <laughs> the way. <laughs> well, I'm back from ten days of quarantine. I'm back in the land of the living and it's great. Today was my first day back. Ten days of quarantine with the fam was was nice, but it was weird because we were all like slightly fatigued like most of the time and then couldn't really get a lot done so a little bit more tv than we ever wished but it was a good family experience we'll always remember one day we'll look on it fondly i'm sure that That, time you were quarantined yeah the time isn't now but at some point we'll look (laughs) back on it fondly i'm sure taking forced breaks i mean yeah can't get better than that (laughs) when you're a pastor the breaks don't come very easily so i'll just yeah take as a gift from the lord why not but yeah we had some great vitamins and lots of sleep and lots of water. So we're good. And it is so good to be back. I can't wait to talk about this topic. And we have a lot to get into. So we'll just go ahead and do it. In studying for this topic, I was thinking that I really do think that many of the American Christians confuse the Declaration of Independence with its promise of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness mm-hmm. with our life as Christians. Mm. Um, it, oh, well, yeah, we're rustling feathers right away. Here I we know, go. Right? It let's is just, on. Let's just go right in there. <laughs> um, while we all know that Christ's death on the cross, it destroyed the dietary, the other laws that were in the Old Testament, it mm-hmm. has not promised us to have an easy life to do whatever we want. 
Mm. In fact, I just um, finished a study of First Peter, and I was a little bit taken aback by all of the suffering in the second half mm. of the book about, you know, First Peter 4.15, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to test us, but rejoice sharing in Christ's sufferings, yeah. which, is, which is not my, my first go-to in sufferings. And I feel like 2020 is kind of throwing that all in our faces. Yeah, I feel like, I know, I was actually talking with a member of our church about this exact topic, suffering, and like he's like, I, I don't feel like I suffer at all, and I feel like I need to really consider what's going on, because when you read the New Testament, it's like a part of the Christian life. So you're on to something there, for sure. Yeah, so considering the topic of liberty, with the understanding that we are not promised to be free of suffering... What does that mean? Are we free to do, do whatever we want? Can we just live under grace and mm. have at whatever we want? Well, I'm thinking that really shouldn't even be the question that we're asking. The question should be not, well, what can I do, but what does God want us to do? There you go. In 1 Corinthians 10, 23, Paul says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Yeah. So in thinking through this topic of Christian liberty, we need to think, what does God want us to do? Not what do I feel comfortable with or what's convenient for me? And man, Paul really nails so much about Christian liberty in Romans and in First Corinthians. Yeah. And I spent some time studying those this week. And my biggest takeaway after studying these two passages is the importance of your motivation and attitude. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say meat offered to idols, that you were going <laughs> to well, keep doing you know. that. <laughs> no, no, that's, 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 I don't think I have to worry about that specific topic these days. Right. But that does it does remind us that so many of us Christians, we just love to argue about what we can do or what we can't do and what mm -hmm. are our rights, just like the Declaration, our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But Paul's not telling us what are our rights. He's telling us we need to study the Bible and determine what God's will is for our life and then do it. Mm. But in doing that, do not flaunt whatever you decide your liberty in other people's faces. And I thought for some reason this verse had never really come out to me, but Romans 14 and verse 22 when it says the faith you have, keep between yourself and God. Mm. It's basically telling us, yeah, you know, you figure out what God wants you to do, and then you do it, but that's between you and God, not between you and your brother in Christ. Yeah. And so many times when people, when you see people not take that Bible verse and follow that Bible verse, like, and they do flaunt it, they just get self-righteousness and pride, and then all the floodgates open with all those negative, negative things of the Christian life. Exactly. And this verse is after Paul spends the whole chapter 14 telling us to walk in love and not put stumbling blocks in front of our brothers. He says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit and to let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Mm. And just letting that soak in for just a minute, peace and mutual upbuilding or edifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but not much of our current culture is peaceful or edifying. <laughs> Sounds like a way we could stand out and be different. Right? <laughs> exactly. Just think what a difference we'd make if our 
whole goal in life was to pursue what makes for peace. Yeah. And it's specifically, this is like a thing Christians are supposed to be doing with other Christians. And again, that would be a way that we could let the world know that we love one another by just obeying this command with unity. Yeah. So sure. I mean, I didn't get into the specifics, but we know we are free to do many things in Christ. And we do. Each of us needs to pursue our Bibles and study them and decide on our own personal standards exactly what God has for you to do. But know that that's exactly what they are, your own personal standards. You can't Mm -hmm. apply your standards to someone else's life, and they shouldn't try to apply theirs to your life. Mm Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'm thinking, let's just make the main thing the main thing. We are called to be salt and light in this fallen world. We are not called to be Americans with all the personal liberties that we desire. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Now, I'm not hating on the USA. I think it's we have an awesome opportunity to live in the States. I mean, Mm -hmm. our lives are mostly without persecution, and we have a lot of really awesome freedoms. But in this whole quarantine shutdowns that have happened, I think I've really had to re-examine that would God still be gracious to us if our rights were taken away and our own personal liberties were taken away? Yes, he would. Mm -hmm. Do I want that to happen? Not really. No, no. (laughs) He would still be gracious to us. That's not a right that we have as Christians. Yeah. I mean, we could get our rights taken away. And I mean, People have been saying this for years, but it does feel like it's going to happen eventually as a matter in just a matter of time. And at the end of the day, we really don't have anything to worry about because we could literally lose our freedoms as citizens in this earth, but we'd still have our freedom in Christ. And as bad as it got on earth, like it's not gonna last forever, you know. It's it's going to get better for us at some yeah. point. I mean, Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. I mean, we're free no matter what yep. happens with exactly. our earthly rights. And, you know, we're free to do all these things that Brooke is talking about. Like, we're, mm-hmm. we're not, it's not like there's a, another law here that's holding us down like the Old Testament. This mm-hmm. is just, you're free to live as a believer. Yeah, absolutely. So as Christians, let's not spend so much time quibbling over our rights and instead focus on living out our life as representatives of Christ in this fallen world and making the pursuit of Jesus our highest priority. I feel like if we all made that our focus, many of these arguments about liberty would fade away as we all work to show Jesus to each other and to the world. So there's a few other ways that you could go with this subject, which is usually the case, and that's why we have multiple voices around the table for most of our podcasts, especially tonight. Brooke, thanks for nicely pointing out these foundational elements of what Christian liberty looks like in comparison to our American freedom. And I want to do two things. I want to go a little further into what our Christian freedom is in the New Testament means for us by specifically going further down the trail with a handful of passages. And I'm going to basically just look at a few more verses. Some of the same ones you already mentioned, I won't overlap too much, but you can't help but get some of those key verses from from Romans 14. And then I want to conclude, secondly, with a proper understanding of what liberty will do for you once we really thoroughly hash it out. 
So in the first part, I came across a really helpful article about this from Sinclair Ferguson on the Ligonier Ministries website. It was called Four Principles for the Exercise of Christian Liberty. I'm taking those four principles and the associated scriptures with them and just adopting them with some of my own thoughts and putting my own spin on it. But here's roughly what his outline was. And almost all of these do come from Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 6, 7, and 8. And Paul addresses a lot of these issues in the local church. And even though the specific issue is meat that was offered to idols, which is a non-issue today, as we already kind of joked about, (laughs) the principles still do apply to us. And that's the way it always is. You know, the issues are different in 2020 than they were 50 years ago in 1970. Our, you know, our parents, our grandparents had different issues, but the principles never change. So firstly, Christian liberty is never something to be flaunted in front of others. And again, Brooke did touch on this. Romans 14, 22, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. The point we see here in scripture is that all things are lawful, but at the same time, there are plenty of gray areas and you have the freedom to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in your own personal life. I love the analogy that Jesus gives us in John 10, where he says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. When we know Christ, we are a sheep in his fold and we don't have a one track beaten path that's straight and narrow. That's a misconception from another one of Jesus' analogies. What we actually have in Christ once we're saved is a protected, safe, open field where we are free to live how his Holy Spirit leads, guides, and directs. But it's open. It's, It's not restricting. So all things are lawful for me, Paul says, but not all things build up. You're going to probably hear that verse a couple more times before we're done with this podcast. You don't have to exercise your liberty in order to enjoy it. For sure, Paul, you know, in other places asks very penetrating questions of those who insist on exercising their liberty wherever and whenever they want. And just framing it that way hopefully helps you see that when selfishness enters the equation, pride is rearing its ugly head and it can get off very quickly. Romans 14, 19 says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Another one of the verses Brooke already <laughs> quoted to us. These are good. These are these are the bedrock of this. So before you exercise your freedom to watch a show or discuss a TV show or drink a certain beverage, which we're probably going to get into this further a little bit later here, you need to ask yourself, does this really build up others? And is this really liberating me or is this actually beginning to enslave me? You know, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, all things are not helpful. I will not be brought under the power of anything. So don't let it dominate you. And I know people give me a hard time on this. I like to just roll with it. But like, that's why I don't drink caffeine is I don't want to be brought under the power of anything. I'm with you. I uh, well, I do do some caffeine, but no coffee. I refuse yeah. to give in to the coffee addiction. <laughs> it, it is an addiction. I know some, <laughs> I mean, I, I think of Jenny. She's probably like just just rolling over right now. She <laughs> loves her coffee. And we love you, Jenny. But like not all of us can handle it. And we don't want to be brought under the power of that. The subtle truth 
is that Christians, a Christian who has to exercise his or her liberty, is actually, whether they realize it or not, flirting with the edges of being in bondage to the very thing that you insist on doing. Paul said, if the kingdom consists for you in food, drink, and the like, you have missed the point of the gospel and the freedom of the spirit in Romans 14, 17. So here's the second principle. Christian liberty does not mean that you only accept someone after you have inspected and agreed with all of their positions on liberty, (laughs) which I know that sounds silly saying it out loud, but like in reality, a lot of people are closer to that than they care to admit. This is what Paul says in Romans 14, 1 through 3. As for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the other person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So me not drinking coffee in that area of my life means I am the weaker brother. <laughs> uh, Brooke, you know, you're not going to flaunt that. So maybe Blake was would want to flaunt how much coffee he drinks in my face and just be the stronger brother in Christ. But he couldn't dissociate with me because we don't see exactly eye to eye on that issue. To get a little more practical, we could use an actual helpful analogy. But the weaker brother is the person who has the stricter conviction. Maybe it's from their upbringing. Maybe their parents or a church they used to attend growing up really hammered home something, and it affects their conscience. But notice the weaker brother isn't the one who has the weaker standard. It's the one who actually has the stricter standard. They aren't as confident and strong in their Christian liberty. Paul is saying here, look, God has welcomed them, so you should welcome them too, even if you're on different pages in this secondary issue. So really, he's calling out the person who is enjoying their freedom to not look down on someone who isn't. And there's a flip side to this too. It definitely cuts both ways because it can be the female who has higher dress standards looking down on the girl who's wearing shorter shorts, or it could be the guy, and he's fine with having a drink, And he's looking down on the guy who doesn't drink at all because he got past that and it used to dominate his life and be a huge problem. Both people should welcome and accept one another, and the way they come down on their liberty shouldn't be an issue of fellowship. It's just not there for an issue of Christian fellowship in Scripture. A couple more things here. In today's day, these issues are more nuanced than ever. You can have someone who is fine with X and they're against Y, And you can have another person sitting right next to them who is against X personally, but totally good with Y. So it's like you can have the same people and they can have differing opinions and, you know, convictions. And they're not that they're not that far apart, but like nobody's like completely uniform on all these areas. So you have to go. it, It comes down to where do my convictions come from? Is it from the Holy Spirit? Is it from what you're reading in the Bible? Or is it what you've been handed down from someone else? And I think, Blake, you're going to go a little bit more into that part. So these are all things you have to work through personally. And while you are open open and accepting of Christians who may look different and even sound a little different than you. I know it's not always easy, especially if you're not used to it. But if you let the love of Christ 
and your unity in Christ be the driving factor. This is not impossible. When it does happen, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Third principle, Christian liberty shouldn't be practiced in such a way that you become a stumbling block to another Christian. Romans 14, 13 says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So when Paul states this principle, he's really hashed it out already. In his mind, he's already been very deliberate in explaining it in other other portions of Scripture. He knows what his commitment is. And we are given liberty in Christ in order to be the servants of others, not in order to indulge our own preferences. So I'm going to consider before I talk about what I'm watching on TV or what I did with my free time, I should, as a pastor, think about, hey, would me just giving this a green light ever become a problem for someone else? Because when I was a youth pastor, Julie and I would watch shows together and we didn't always advertise everything we watched with our entire youth group. You know, was I being a fake person? No, I wasn't pretending to be something that we were not, but I knew it's one of those, it's one thing to watch a show with my wife. We're spiritually mature. We're going to have some discernment. And it's another thing just to give a blanket stamp of approval for someone who is way less spiritually mature and they're still working through a lot of these things. That goes back to verse 22 of Romans 14 that we already both talked about, about keeping what you have between yourself and God. Because Mm -hmm. you've both determined what is right for you, but that may not be what's right for a teen in your youth group. Exactly. Exactly. Only when we recognize that we don't deserve our rights. Again, this is something you already were talking about, Brooke. But when when we get that, we can properly exercise these rights as privileges because that's really what they are. It's mm-hmm. it's not something that I have to have. It's like freedom to have this like luxury. It's kind of like, you know, I got benefits now. <laughs> I don't just have a salary. I have benefits too. This is awesome. But sensitivity to others in church, especially weaker ones, you know, it could be one area or another. This all kind of goes blends together because everybody may have a sensitive issue or two you know that doesn't depend on our own sense of unworthiness we have to realize who we are in christ if we assume that we have liberties to be exercised at all costs we become potentially lethal weapons in a fellowship all too capable of destroying someone emotionally and psychologically and that's when it really does get sad that's when this really can become a problem because I've seen it, I think maybe you guys have seen this too, where you have extreme emphasis on something. And, and I mean, when I grew up, I think what people call it now is purity culture. But but this is just one example where they hammer home, like, you have to be pure. You can't touch the other sex at all. And like, you almost give these young kids this skewed version of sex. They don't actually learn what sex really is as a gift of God. They just think it's a scary thing that I should only do when I'm married. And, you know, I mean, well, I'll I'll just, I could get awkward really fast if I keep going (laughs) into this, but you get the point. They just have a a misconstrued version of one of God's gifts. And that creates serious issues for some people psychologically and emotionally down the road if we're not using those and teaching those the correct way. Now, this 
is where it also gets tricky, and this is kind of the last thing I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean that we should also become a slave of another person's conscience. Uh, John Calvin puts this point out there well when he says that if we restrain the exercise of our freedom for the sake of weak believers, but not when we are faced with Pharisees who demand that, we conform to what is unscriptural. So where the gospel is at stake, liberty needs to be exercised. Where the stability of a weak Christian is at stake, we need to restrain it. I had a pastor in college who really explained this well He spoke about it once, and it's always stuck with me. But he said that there's always going to be somebody that has a higher standard than you. Like, I don't care who you are out there. Maybe we have some Amish people listening to the podcast. They even have people, okay, who have stricter standards than them. So where do you draw the line in this area, right? I mean, it's a slippery slope argument that is eventually going to break down You have to know at some point what's a case where I limit my liberty out of kindness and respect to offending someone or, you know, I don't want to be a stumbling block. So, like, where does this – have y'all ever – have y'all ever kind of dealt with this dilemma? Like, has this ever kind of been just an issue for you personally? Yeah. Like, wondering where where I draw the line? Oh, as a girl, the clothing issue comes into play a lot. Yeah. Yeah. there's, There's a lot of figuring out. I think pretty much every girl has to deal with that at some point. And where do you draw the line? Because like you said, I mean, you could go full Amish and some people would still not be happy. And they'd still be like, can you believe she's wearing that? Exactly. Yeah. So, and I, that's where a lot of it comes down to your attitude and your heart motivation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. When it's a clear case of, you know, you being confident in yourself. Are you wearing that piece of clothing because you think you have the freedom and the clear conscience to follow the way the Spirit is leading you? Just ask the question, would me wearing this cause them to sin? I think that's a very important distinction you have to make. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be somebody with a higher standard. So ask, would me wearing this cause them to sin? If it's not going to cause them to sin it's actually not a stumbling block issue. If they would call you a sinner for wearing it and being a, be offended at you because they're a Christian with a higher standard, that's more legalism on their end than anything else. And you're under no obligation to keep every last person with a higher standard happy with you. So whatever the issue is, it's not about your rights, it's about your mission. The mission God has given you to glorify him through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. There's always going to be someone talking about you, what you do or don't do. Maybe she doesn't think you should wear that article of clothing. Well, will you will you wearing it force her to wear it and violate her conscience? If not, it's a personal preference, and you can't let her standard conform you into her image. Some people feel the effects of that and other people's preferences and standards end up almost enslaving them. The end result of that is resentment, and a litany of bad ideas about Christianity that don't help anyone in the long run. So here's the point, and this is the second piece. What does understanding liberty actually do for you? It gives you freedom to be yourself in Christ. It gives you the confidence to live for Jesus and put his mission at the center, rather than entangling yourself and tiptoeing around everyone else. Living in the pasture is amazing, Staying locked in someone else's barn (laughs) while you're in that (laughs) pasture is not great. 
the question I always ask myself is what will bring God the most glory? So, Hey, if this person isn't going to like, like go into sin, you're not forcing them to like violate their conscience. You're, you're good. You're, you're clear to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And asking that question, what will bring God the most glory, is such a more freeing question than asking, will this offend my friend or will this offend my mother-in-law? You can't really answer that. (laughs) (laughs) You can't really answer that accurately if you don't fully understand your Christian liberty. And you can feel like you have to not offend other people. Maybe, Maybe you will make, if you have to feel that way, Maybe you will make a different decision than someone else, but that's okay because you're not answering to them at the end of the day. You're not answering to your parents. You're not answering to anyone else. The only person you have to give an account to is Jesus Christ. So what will bring him the most glory? He died for you and redeemed you. He set you free and he has given you freedom. Use it to love one another and make much of his name. So for my take on this, I just wanted to jump into just a very practical way we can look at Christian liberty. And that is when we're looking at issues of Christian liberty, we need to have a Bible first mindset with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just going to name a, a few Christian liberty issues. Um, some of them we've mentioned, some of them we haven't. Um, one of them, one of the most popular ones, right, is alcohol drinking, um, women's dress, education of children, Mm -hmm. insurance, women's head coverings, contraception, use of TV. Just hit them all. (laughs) Internet, electronics, music choices, Sunday school, youth groups, political views, etc. All these. Okay, all of these are... We should have led with this. Where was this at the beginning of the intro? Up top. So now, yeah, now that we've reverted back to the beginning here. <laughs> uh, so there's no question here, though, that Scripture has to be the determiner of these choices for the believer. Mm-hmm. Because when the problem of liberty arises, when man-made rules and opinions beyond Scripture take on the role of law and church membership, church discipline, and church unity. So we have, you know... In Scripture, in 2 Timothy 3, 16, we have this famous Scripture that says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And Mm so all of Scripture, all of the Bible, is there for us to be able to live out our Christian lives in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that should be where we go to first with Christian liberty issues. There's a there's an example. I want to give one example of this where I grew up in a church context um, where traditions were made out to be the law in the church. And there's nothing wrong with traditions mm-hmm. um, on the surface. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. Um it's what what happens is though sometimes those traditions get to be forced on people mm-hmm. um, when those issues are probably Christian liberty issues that 
don't necessarily apply to every single Christian. And all churches have traditions. Even new church plants have traditions. Our church has traditions, and we're only two years old. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you've been a church for a week, you probably already have been making mm. traditions already there's already traditions i i know if we when we stop saying romans fifteen thirteen at the end of this oh, service, totally. which actually in january we're going to have a new verse people are going to be like wait what, what's, what what's going on what <laughs> they're not going to like that exactly so with this though uh, there's i want to give an example of one of the christian liberty arguments and that's the drinking alcohol one so this yes. is the big one right uh, this is the one that gets in heated debates and, and things like that. Everybody's just been waiting for this the whole exactly. the whole episode. We did not let you down. <laughs> I know everyone's been on their seat waiting. Who's going <laughs> to mention alcohol? Who's going to do it? Well, I'm going to do it. So, so the, often the argument you hear with drinking, whether you should or should not drink alcohol, is not a biblical argument, but a societal argument or a phil- philosophical argument. And, and usually it goes something like this. You shouldn't drink alcohol today because of the detrimental effects that it's had on society and family. And I totally actually agree that that statement is true, Mm -hmm. Um, that it has had devastating effects on families and society, for sure. But as Christians, we have to begin our argument with Scripture. We have to begin even our own personal beliefs. We have to start Mm -hmm. with Scripture and even end with Scripture. And we may, you know, we may decide based on something external to Scripture. But in, in the end, we, we can't force anything on someone else that we haven't taken directly from the text mm-hmm. of Scripture. For example, the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So that is one of the verses that's used to say you shouldn't drink at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Psalm 104:14 through 16 says, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. So, there we have a text of scripture where God obviously is providing the line. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then you have First Timothy 5.23. Paul tells Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and for frequent ailments. So obviously and clearly in scripture, this is one of those Christian liberty issues where it's not just cut and dry, clear down the middle. You've got to do some harmonizing. You've got to mm-hmm. do some research on this this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, yeah so and there are numerous examples in scripture of the use of alcohol being bad and being good obviously scripture teaches us not to get drunk right um, and so mm-hmm. we have to apply those principles to our christian liberties um, so that we can be biblical first because that's what we're called to do as believers yeah yeah. I like how you're saying, I mean, look, everybody can say say a reason like, oh, well, it's bad for the family. You know, that was a simplified version. But that's just as different as somebody else saying, well, hey, I like it tastes good to me. Like at the end of the day, if it's not 
based and rooted in what does the Bible teach about this. It's just your opinion, and there's not really any more weight to that than it's just your opinion. The only way our our it's going to have authority is if it's rooted in Scripture. Yeah, uh, there is a standard. Yeah, the standard is Scripture. Yeah, uh, and if we start to push our personal convictions on people, mm. then we are starting to be Pharisaical, which Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. So we don't want to be standing mm. in the place of the Pharisees being rebuked by Jesus <laughs> yeah. or pushing our personal convictions on someone else. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when you put all these things together, basically everything mm-hmm. we've talked about, you really come away with a much different picture of like how I can use my Christian liberty. It's not about, well, I think this is okay and they don't, so we're different. Oh, no. Like, it's just like, wait, I should be welcoming them in Christ. I should be rejoicing in who they are in Christ. We have a difference of opinion here. And, hey, you know, what a beautiful thing. That's that's fine. Like, we still love each other. We're still unified. And the church can actually be more of this open pasture where we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're more in tune with his leading. We're not making our decisions based off of what somebody else thinks or what I was taught here tra- by this tradition. It's 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 making you get more in tune with the Holy Spirit's leading yourself. And it's more of that personal relationship with Christ. And then we... We have more diversity. We have greater unity because, you know, we're thinking thinking through things, talking about things, and we're just making more of Christ when we do that. Well, thank you so much, both of you. This was a great conversation. And you may want to talk a little bit more about this yourself. Maybe we brought up a few things that just uh didn't quite sit right or maybe you'd like to press further into that i think y'all did a really good job of of basically hitting everything we could hit in in 35 minutes so we stir up all the issues we stirred it all up we just laid it all out there so you hit us back with some of your thoughts some comments we'd love to hear that you can always give us a review we really appreciate those five star reviews and share this with a friend. Share this with another friend who's maybe you've had the same conversation with recently. We would love that, but we love hearing from you and doing this. We'll see you again next week. You are loved.